Welcome again, everybody, for the third time. And if uh, you are listening to the podcast, this will uh, not mean anything to you. But anyway, for the third time today, I'm Ray Ray. And I'm Dave. And if you're wondering why we are doing three shows at the end of the day, again, the live cast is always hopefully going to funnel you to the actual podcast because that's where we really do want to pick up things. Adam and I have discussed the podcast. We've been doing a podcast for almost two years yep. now. I mean, the, the, the live stream. Yeah, the for full, almost full two, two years. years. Yeah. yeah, full so, two years. So I mean, we'll... we've been doing the show. It'll be three years in March. But as yeah. far as doing the actual um Oh yeah, the, the live cast, cast yeah. because we used to just do the podcast. Adam and I would talk down in the basement, and we would record it and then just post it. Now we do the live stream. Um, hopefully, always to kind of um, expand the audience is mm-hmm. really the goal for the most part. And I mean, it does give us responses and stuff, and that's what in lifetime, really, and that's what yeah. we like. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it just give, it gives us another thing we can be on YouTube and just uh, you know, basically, we're just trying to broadcast seed um everywhere we go and i mean we've seen the most growth um just in the podcast in general i know that that's probably the most easiest uh digestible form of us talking a whole lot uh, for people anyway so <laughs> yeah but so we thank you guys for the podcast so i just want to let people that download just the podcast and don't go live i want to say how much i pre- we appreciate you um because we see the numbers and we thank you uh guys for uh responding back to us uh just listening on your phones, your iPad, computer, wherever you're getting it. And we thank you guys that live who uh, watch it, you know, just to thank Jeremiah uh, Patterson and Will and Wendell and um, uh, you, David Van Beber, you joined as (laughs) well. But anyway, just thank you guys uh, for, for just, all the different modes that we take uh, being involved. And uh, we just ask you to just get more involved by, you know, commenting, uh, emailing us, anything. Um, if you see us out in person, uh, if you've got any questions, don't feel that you, we are unapproachable. That's right. And that we are untouchable. Um, you know, we want to have a dialogue. And I mean, that's Regular why. Guys. I mean, we're that's having, exactly what yeah. it is. Um, and that's why we're having this, uh, this, this show uh, part two again, because of responses of yeah. people pushing back or just trying to understand for clarity. Um, we want to be able to have these kind of shows to where it's something it's, it's a continuing conversation versus just, uh, we're going to drop this here and never deal with it again. That's right. And, and that's always our goal is to be able to interact with folks. That's again, why we started the live stream so that we could actually have conversations with individuals on the apologetics topics that we address. So if you go back and watch an older program, be sure to, to post. Remember, YouTube is going to be removing comments, but Facebook Live will still have them. So you can go back, watch one of the old programs mm-hmm. on Facebook Live and send a comment in like that. And we would be really grateful for that. Yeah. And so, I mean, so anybody that's, you know, like. Because new people, I'm you know I'm in the barbershop. I'm handing out taggart cards, talking about the podcast, talking about what we talk about, get, basically talking about the gospel, you know, with people, and you know, talking about hey, you know, we have, I've, I've talked, you know, I've got a buddy. We've talked about these subjects here and there. Download the podcast. Um, because I only have 20 minutes with you and I want to get to know you as well. Um, not just me talking the whole time, cutting hair. So anyway, there's people that are just joined. So if you guys have downloaded a podcast and listened to it and though it was from a year and a half ago, respond. you know, we can always go back and talk about things that we've already talked about and rehash. And because, you know, God is, is something that we cannot exhaust. His word is something we cannot exhaust. 
Um, and the more that we have out there um, just to talk about, you know, this is just discussion. This is why we're informal and not the, uh, you know, programmed out. You know, we, we do enough to get to the show. Um, but a lot of it is our Dave and I, you know, we, we can we'll toss stuff out and just talk about whatever we, you know, whatever we end up getting hung up on together. So, um, yeah. And yeah. so that's kind of what brought about this topic. Yeah. So um, share a little bit about. Who is Terry Carter? Because I had no clue who he was. Okay, so until um, you, uh, yeah. So we, we did a show me. a couple of weeks ago talking about. Uh, I mean, we talked about JD Greer um, and the the whole pro down debacle, and we got a response off that that we'll deal with. Um, but uh, we also talked about evangelist Terry Carter, so you can go back and listen to that podcast for a little bit of introduction and clarity. Um, anyway, he's a Missouri evangelist guy. He's from this area in Springfield. He's a traveling evangelist. Um, he has a registered trademarked um, saying called bring revival back. Um, yeah. That's kind of his tagline. He's got church. He's got hats. I don't want to hit him on little aesthetic things like that. You know, I, I kind of find it ridiculous of being, you know, an evangelist and selling gear. And I, I get that he's funding the mission. He's finding ways to go, hey, I need money for gas. And I totally get that. And so I don't want to completely fault for that um, kind of stuff. But, you know, there is theological issues at yeah. play and um, with with everything. So um, I had been following on Facebook for a long time. You know, I'm not a big fan of revivalism. Yeah. And I definitely see revivalism, not revival. Yes. In this. Um, he's from, uh, the assemblies of God support him. Yeah. So it's definitely, you know, like, you know, it could be taken while well, you're just a angry Calvinist, uh, Baptist, you uh, are, yelling at, you are <laughs> yelling at, Calvinist. I, I, I'm so <laughs> um, you know, so, you know, a narrative, <clears throat> if, if there was ever a narrative created, that could be a part of it. Um, it, but it's not, that's not the, tr that's not the true case, even though it could be spun that way. If somebody wanted to play a victim and I don't want it to be spun that way and nobody should be a victim here. You know, I've approached it as uh, I'm, I'm just, here's a corrective rebuke as a brother, not a condemning one. I don't, I do not, even though we have um, theological differences in, um, you know, like the speaking in tongues, initial evidence, things like that. Um, I find those peripheral, but I do find a foundational issue that I would like to approach him as a brother, um, not in a condemning, I find you a false prophet way. Now, continues to go down a certain road, it might have to come to that. Yeah, and so um, we did actually yeah. invite him to come on because what had happened yeah. was he... Well, last time, yeah. I, just wanna, I want to put it out there. He knew. He had my number. He could have called last time that we talked with him as well. But this time I wanted to make sure um, he has my number in the uh, in messenger. I messaged him. So so here's the whole situation again. He had a meme, had a hand on it saying, God needs you. I'd said basically no. Um, I said in Acts 17, Paul talks about how he's not in a temple made by hands, that he's not served by human hands as if he needs anything. Um, this is just a, this is not biblically true at all. Yeah. God does not need us. Um, and so I mentioned that he had deleted my comment. So I, and got he on blocked and, me. Yeah. And so then I got on and I posted brother. I mean, again, just summarizing, I don't remember verbatim exactly how I posted it, but I was like, hey, brother, I really don't think that this is theologically consistent. 
with what Scripture says. I'd love to discuss it with you. Could you demonstrate for me a passage from Scripture where it says that God needs people? Yeah. Removed. Yeah, he was so no his, comments his, his, Yeah, his was deleted too. So you know, I was uh, so I was blocked from his personal page that he had this posted on. Um, that blocked me from messaging him further. But I did message him a few times before he blocked me. I'm like, isn't this is this how Christians are supposed to act? Is this how brothers are supposed to supposed to act? And I was like, um, I would like to talk to you. I'd like to have a conversation with you. And then you go and block me. Um, like that. So he doesn't want to have that sort of interaction on his personal page. Uh, He blocked me. I went to his evangelistic Facebook page. Apparently I'm not blocked from viewing it, but uh, last time I noticed he had blocked me from messaging him on that as well, because I was like, Hey, um, we're going to do a show. Um, Here's my phone number. Um, You are more than welcome to call in. We'd like to talk as brothers. Again, I'm approaching this. Like I want to understand you. Um, and I want you to understand me and we need to, like the scripture, especially since he's a public evangelist making assertions and arguments for the gospel, me, I'm doing the same thing here. Um, we should be able to defend what we believe and what we say, and we should be able to talk about it and have a civil conversation, especially whenever there is a tension here between me and him. Um, well, he doesn't want to have the conversation, and he has proved it time and time again now um, because he's deleted uh, Dave's. Yeah. And so, and the, but here's here's the kicker though: he deleted us, but then he makes a response after he deletes the comments and blocks me. He makes a response and I, you know, I just, I utilized my wife's phone and her Facebook account just so I could just see if Dave was deleted yet or not. Uh, he was, but he did make a response. And so I got a screen caption uh, or screen uh, picture of what he had uh, responded to. So basically he wants to make a response without us coming back and going, no. Yeah. Or maybe even agreeing with him. Or and maybe not he, even maybe he like would have corrected us. Uh, And so here's the thing, like, why in the world are we even, we're not trying to troll the guy or anything like that. Saul, what was, what we believe was a non-scriptural meme, offered a bit of correction, like, hey, brother, because remember, Titus chapter 1 tells us in verse 9 that we must hold firm to the trustworthy word at word is taught so that we're able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. Uh, I am an elder. I'm a pastor elder. Uh, Adam is a uh, is aspiring to be an elder. This guy is going around and preaching at different churches. He is probably an ordained minister of the gospel. And so if he posts something to his Facebook page, and it is, and I would always encourage anyone, if it is theologically unsound, we are called as believers to contend for the faith once delivered. Again, and that's where I wanted to pick this up, okay? So a lot of people pick this up, say this is just a blanket apologetic statement um, that we need to contend for the faith, right? Um, And that usually then goes into your brain as this is where when we're talking to unbelief out there, but unfortunately, that's not the context of this passage. This passage is polemical. He says, "Dear friends, although I was eager to write write you about the salvation we share, I found it necessary to write appealing to you um, to contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once for all. For some people who were designated for this judgment long or yeah, for some people who were designated for this judgment long ago have come in by stealth." He's an evangelist. He's going into churches. 
Again, like I said last time, he's going into churches that recognize brokenness and need of revival. They can be open, more open now to the truth than ever before. And then go for it. And then you come in here and you could have bad theology, which then leads to horrible conclusions if played out, if the Holy Spirit does not counteract any sort of bad theology that was taught. Now, if you are going into a church telling them that God needs them, what is that sort of logical play out? Well, God needs me, huh? Well, then he'll do anything to have me. I don't need to trust him. I don't need to follow his commands. I can do whatever. He needs me. He's dependent upon me. Well, then you're probably going to tell me, no, that's not what you believe at all. And I don't believe that you actually believe that. But. But here's here's the problem. This is and this is what I told Dave before the show. And this is what I've told other people. This is what's created me now. Has God used people's sin to create me to love the scriptures? Well, amen that God works through people who are sinful and horrible. And so, again, I'm not going to, but we we cannot dismiss the sin of other people. It's sin. It is wrong. So though I'm here today loving God's truth because people didn't love God's truth and they told me wrong, I get into God's truth and I go, Wow, they're not saying this, but the Bible tells me this. God tells me this. Well, I love God. I love his scripture. So I'm glad I'm here today um, doing that. But see, the thing is, is you go and tell people sentimental things that are not biblically true, just for sentimentality's sake, just to bring them in, because, you know, it's our work that brings people into the church. Christ cannot build his church without us, even though he told the Jews that he that God could make a witness out of rocks. Yeah. God does not need us. God gets what he wants, though. So, once and so we're going to have to talk about desire and require whenever I read this. Um, but the thing is, this is writing about people coming in by stealth. And so, I don't want you, Terry, to be one that is coming in by stealth, ruining churches which is antithetical to your whole ministry. So that's why I do this. And it's for people like me, because I can go to these people and go, I understand that you weren't told the truth. Let God be true, though every man a liar. That's right. Okay. That is my mantra now. I've had to white knuckle my Bible so much for the past few years. You had the... The meat you had the post. <clears throat> yes, there, I have so the post. So go yeah, we'll we'll get to the meat real quick. Yeah. of this. Um, so again, he blocks me from responding, and then he makes a reply. So he has finally replied uh, to the whole issue. Um, but you know, I can't come back and say anything now publicly for people. You know, he's going to maintain his image over brotherly interaction and dealing with each other, right? This is a big issue for somebody coming into your church if they don't want to contend for the faith, right? If he is right. So, but he does say here, and this is this is another concerning thing. He says, while it is true that God has no physical needs with or which must be met as we do, yet there is a longing in the heart of the Father which can be described as a need. Is that true? Can you Say that when God longs for something, where are you getting that his longing is a need? Well, here's the fundamental issue with me. Yeah. 
Uh, now you don't have we yeah. don't have posted his actual very first post where he's basically saying God needs you. Yeah. Now what does that imply? Again, as I read that, I see it as God has to have you. He has to have you saved. No, that's not it. it. God did not have to create. God had all the glory and all the relationship and all the love that he would ever need within the yeah. within the Trinity, right? Our triune God loved Jesus loved the Father, the Father loved the Son, the Son loved the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit loved the Father. The triune God had all the sufficient love, all the sufficient glory, all the sufficient uh, all the sufficient mercy. Uh, again, I say mercy, and that wouldn't be necessary. All the sufficient love that was necessary. But here's where things began to unravel for me. When Terry says that God needed you, he's implying that God needed a person, right? He needed to have them to be whole. Yes. That's a false contention. That's where the problem is. So when you go into a church and you say, see, God has to have you. Oh my gosh, I'm pleading with you because God won't be God won't be satisfied unless he has you. Oh, judgment day will be so bad and so hard for God because he didn't get you. False. That's completely false. God will give you exactly what you deserve, and that is his wrath. God doesn't need you. You yeah. need him. You're so lost that you don't even realize that you actually need God's mercy and grace. And that's where you get the entire thing backwards. It's not that you're so good that God has to have you. It's you're so evil. Why in the world would God save you? And that's yeah. a backwards gospel. And I'm yeah. sorry, Terry, you you need to call in. You need to respond to this. You need to do something besides block people who are calling you out and brothers as brothers in Christ. It is sinful to try to suppress correction. God's word is so clear, and, and this is incredibly important. It says very clearly that you must not be arrogant. You must not be quick-tempered. Again, I'm going to tell you, brother, you are demonstrating that you're not disciplined. You're demonstrating that you're arrogant. When someone offers you correction, you should respond. Yes, we have done that. I don't know if you'll ever see this. We've tagged your ministry, and I hope that anyone who's involved in your ministry would reach out and tell you to get on and respond. We want to know how from Scripture you can ever demonstrate that God needs anyone. Yeah, and so, I mean, whenever it comes up to it, apparently maybe he read Dave's thing and wants to provide Scripture. So let's move on. It says, yeah. um, so the longing of the Father can be described as a need. Okay. Whatever. He doesn't provide anything for that. And he says, it is the desire of God the Father to have fellowship with man whom he created. God needs us. God needs our eyes to see through and our hands to work through and our voices to speak the words of comfort and companionship. God needs our tears to express the passion of his heart. God needs us to reach the lost. And then he cites Mark sixteen fifteen. Well, for one, I'd hit him though. That's Sort of a, uh, I mean, he can go to Matthew 28 where, you know, manuscript. Uh, yeah, so, and, and so this we can is hit a really important thing, issue. But, yeah, yeah. I, no, I, I, yeah. I don't think but that it's insignificant. About, yeah, the, the I don't whole, think that it's insignificant why, to talk why about is the he, textual but issue. The, the thing is, we have it in Matthew 28, but why is he using Mark 16, which whenever people open their Bibles, they should see a note saying some manuscripts don't have that in Mark. And yes. then they'll be in a tizzy. And are you going to respond to them? If you want to respond to me, are you going to be able to do apologetics the to right way to respond? So asked, why are you giving me Mark 16 and not Matthew 28? 
Yeah, and so, so let me just put this a little bit a, a bit real yeah. clear because uh, sometimes we presuppose that people understand yeah. textual variants, and and I don't think that a lot of people do. So allow me to just put this forward: a textual variant is essentially a textual issue that does not demonstrate itself or show itself in all of the textual evidence that we have. Uh, for example, we might have a in the manuscript tradition, there is either an absence of a few words, an absence of a few letters. And so what we have here actually quoted from um, from our brother uh, Terry is one of the from one of the largest textual variants in the Bible. The two largest textual variants are, are John chapter 7, verse 53 mm-hmm. to 810, and here what is called the second ending of Mark. Now, there are good arguments for, I think, particularly the second ending of Mark as being um, textually original. Um, those arguments don't exist completely for what I believe uh, what we'd consider the pergapite adultery. Mm-hmm. But jumping back to this, so when Terry uses Mark 16.15, he's going to something that he believes better articulates that. Now, what so, we would always tell people is, if you're going to make a argument, a, a theological argument concerning a text, you don't want to use variants, right? You want to use what we would have uh, a more assured textual evidence for existing. Again, not saying that that's not in the original text, but what I'm trying to say is consistently you would not base your argumentation on a textual variant. You would want to be more sure of the textual tradition. Yeah. And so he really should have gone to Matthew chapter 8, but again, his argument is basically trying to say, and if you read yeah. Matthew sixteen fifteen, yeah, and so it, it basically, implies that a little bit more. He's going to say, basically, he's saying God needs us, and we can find it here. All right, let's see if we can find God needs you implicitly, explicitly, whatever. But it just it's, it's just the the it's the Great Commission. He said to them, "Go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whomever does not believe will be condemned." And these signs will accompany those who believe in my, in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes. If they should drink anything deadly, it will not harm them. And they will lay their hands on the sick, and they will get well. Which, I mean, he, he definitely wants to use that over Matthew 28 for his uh, the charismatic side of things. Yes. And, and that's not what I'm hitting him on. But there's nowhere in there that says God needs you. There's nothing implicitly. Now, there's a command, but we got to find out, is that command out of necessity or is that command out of or out of requirement or desire, which are two different words. God existed without us. God can still exist without us. What does that say? He does not need us. That's right. Okay. So, well, if he again, commands us to do something... We need to do it. Bingo. That's but God where doesn't backwards. need it. Again, Jesus said that God could create witnesses out of rocks and make them cry out if they didn't do it. So apparently God does not need man to cry out. He can have rocks do it. So yeah. whenever so you whenever you tell somebody God needs you and then they read the scriptures and they go, wait a second, God is a self-sustaining being who is in and of himself who he is. You lied to me. Now, here's what happens. 
then they come into knowledge of scripture. They go to say, and let's just put this in the context of a church. You're not an elder, so you don't have that sort of authority that this would play out in. But say I was taught, I grew up assemblies of God. So, you know, there is some baggage. Okay. Um, but say I was taught something. I matured. I get into scripture. I found out, find out the contrary from scripture. I go and say, you lied to me. And they go, you're being a dissenter. You're being divisive. That's what happens when you lie to people just to get them in the door. So that's why I'm in, I got skin in the game. That's why I'm so adamant because this is being propagated, this sort of attitude. And well, let's, let's go on with it because this is a problematic attitude. And this, this transcends assembly of God. This is, well, in and this every, is what I want to say. Terry yeah. D. Carter, you know better. You, you say, again, you have, of what? Yeah. He has a D-men. He has a doctrine of ministry to yeah. say, well, I understand the theology that God doesn't need us. Then how about you pull the post down and apologize for putting it up? Yeah. Like, your actions demonstrate that you're not being consistent, and we're calling out your ministry. It is wrong for you to post things like that. Then remove the post that Brothers in Christ put when we ask simple questions. Like, if you're going to be a minister of the gospel, be ready to take criticism, but be ready to make a theological point. Demonstrate for us why we're, why we're wrong with this. Yeah, and guess right? what? Gain a And brother. use scripture. Don't use one Passive piece of scripture that doesn't even actually, again, understand, understood hermeneutically and exegetically doesn't even make the argument that you're making. It's not saying that God needs you to go do that. It's God commanding you to go and do that. That's different and it's backwards. Yeah. And so we keep on going on. So so yeah, God needs us. And guess what? God doesn't need us to be eyes. He's all knowing. He sees everything. He knows everything. He has commanded us to take care of people. It's not because he needs us to. He wants us to. So we need to talk about desire and require. God requires not us. We don't have to exist. And God did not have to uh, continue things going after Adam and Eve. He could have put them in eternal torment, annihilated them, whatever he'd want to do whatever be consistent to his nature and all those things with them, but he continued it going. And so whenever it comes down to, does God need you? Does he require, you No, um, he does not require you. So again, just like Dave said, take it down. Uh, again, don't, don't use this, utilize it, but false. he utilizes it. And that's the problem. This he utilizes a, again, it. He proves another that false he utilizes statement. It. However, there are thousands upon thousands in the world that need yeah. the help. And then the assurance that God really does need them. They need the assurance that God needs them that you can't scripturally give. So you Bingo. give it to them so anyway. That's the them. problem. And so you have demonstrated apparently that you utilize something that is not biblical to get people in the door. Does this Is this because you want to live your life going to churches and telling lies to them? You know why the world can't trust evangelists? Because they lie. I am worried about you, brother. And that's the thing is I don't want, like, this is a small, trivial thing, but how many more do you have? How many more um, canned evangelism programs and ways to talk to people do you have that are wrong? Here's what I would say. Again, you right at the bottom, if you don't agree with this theology, then just keep scrolling. scrolling. Hmm. 
But you so you're are presenting me. yourself as a minister of the gospel. You're going into churches. You're presenting a false argumentation, an emotionally driven revivalism that puts human beings and their autonomous will in the driver's seat Mm-hmm. And makes them feel good, which produces a false conversion. Mm-hmm. And then you say, see, that's great, but you just keep on scrolling. No, no, we will not when yeah. souls are being deceived. And I hope that you've never said anything like, oh, sin is overrunning our churches. It's false conversions is the problem. Because then false conversions happen. They become members of the church. They become voting members of the church. They're given autonomy. They can do whatever they want. And then churches fail. And what was at the very beginning of that? A false conversion based on non-biblical ways of evangelism. Bingo. So when it comes to somebody needing, well, the thing is you can't go in any other sort of worldview and find a need for you. Atheists recognize that their worldview, they're not needed, and they come up with some other weird way to go, but we're meaningful. And so, so like they, yeah. you're, they're not going to be able to find it. But whenever you realize, as a psalmist wrote, and then what is used of Christ in the, in the book of Hebrews, whenever a, person, whenever a person realizes, what is man that you are mindful of him? Whenever they see that and they go, no, I'm not needed, but I am wanted. I am wanted. Bingo. That's when they get to experience the experience of the gospel. And the here's key. here's the shot across the board. You're charismatic. You want all this Holy Spirit stuff. Yet you can't trust the Holy Spirit to teach the actual truth of Scripture to save somebody, yet you're manufacturing it. That's right. You can't trust the Holy Spirit. And look at the Baptists. Look at the Baptist that gets hit on. Oh, they just they, they don't uh, they they cringe, quench the Holy Spirit. They don't believe in the Holy Spirit doing all this kind of stuff. I'm the one that's believing that the Holy Spirit comes down and regenerates and causes that person to see his sin and the Holy God, and then goes, "Here's Christ. And he was mindful of you. He thought about you. He wants you. Doesn't need you. Wants you and wants to live with you forever. Come. That's the gospel." You've not given the person the gospel if you say God needs them. And then, okay, and then here's the thing. Again, brother, uh, the the qualifications of elders, of pastors, are individuals who are those who hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. Why? So they can be able to give instruction in sound doctrine. When you say to people that God needs you, you demonstrate a fundamental misapplication and misunderstanding of the doctrine of the Trinity. You're lying about who God is and about the attributes of God. This is serious. That's why we've called you out on it. And your response is to completely remove Adam and to block me and remove our statements and then post this pithy little piece and say, hey, keep on scrolling. Wait a second. When people address issues of theological significance, you tell them to quit scrolling. Remember what it says here before? So that you are to be one who is self-controlled, not arrogant. My friend, this is an arrogant thing today. I have had people come to me humbly and request on Facebook, and we're going to deal with one of those things here in a minute. Hey, could you clarify? Or hey, you were wrong about this. Strangers. This guy that we're going to talk about next is a stranger. Like, we don't know him. 
but he he offered a question and a critique and, and questioned our understanding, like not in a negative way, just but offered for clarification. Mm-hmm. And our response isn't to block him. My response was to ask for him to be my friend. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. And this is goofy. So, sir, like, for the integrity of your ministry, and I mean that sincerely, engage. Mm-hmm. You have a phone number. We're ready to talk. Or guess what? I know that you're going to see this. We're going to send you a copy of this program to your show. Get on and respond. We'll have a dialogue about why, from Scripture, from Scripture, why your meme was right. And we'll contend, from Scripture, how your meme is wrong. Yeah. And so here's... here's, It's a simply, oh, if you don't have time. If you don't have time to respond to us, then you don't have time to be posting memes. Exactly. But yeah, so we go on, you know, and then there was uh, one more aspect of it. Let me see if I can bring it up here. Um, somebody, uh, you know, somebody he let, he allowed to reply because it agreed with him, um, says, I agree. The definition of need is require something or someone because it's essential or very important. We are essential in the work of the Lord. Should I define essential? Okay. Absolutely necessary. Extremely important. It's necessary for us to be Jesus with skin on. And so I would say in the way that God wants his work done, yes, he wa- we need to preach the gospel. We need to take in the poor. We do need to do certain things. But if we don't do it, and God wants to save a people for himself, if we don't do it, he will find other Melchizedek. means. Melchizedek, he shows up. That, where does he come from? God sends whoever he wants. How did Enoch? Walk with God. Oh, wait. God showed up. How did Cornelius know to go to Peter? An angel showed up. God didn't need nobody to do what he wanted them to do. God put people where he wanted them. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just yeah, think, yeah. Like, it so, just blows again, my mind. Yes, this, the way that God is spreading his gospel is by human means. But... If humans don't do the work and God's already anyway, doing the work anyway, (laughs) even, even if humans don't do it, guess what? We can't do everything. We can only do what we can do physically. And, uh, you know, just, we got to, we got, we got to agree on that. And, uh, God's going to get what he wants no matter what. And even though he, though he's commanded us to do things and we need to do those commands, the only need is, for us to do something. That's right. God doesn't need us to do it for his glory. We glorify him because we need to, because we were made to. So again, this whole not responding thing, that's, I think that's the major issue is that you are not willing to live out the commands. You, you, it seems like you like the evangelistic side of things, but when it comes to persecution, when it comes to somebody disagreeing with you, you don't want to do the other side of the command, which is be ready to give a defense for the hope that lies within you. So if your gospel includes God needing you, you better defend it. You better be ready to defend it. 
You better do it. <laughs> right you're, you're living the evangelistic proclamation. You like the Great Commission, but do you like the the negative side of that, where you have to defend it instead of just asserting things? So, again, I'm not going to count you out. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. I can't judge who the elect are and who are not. I'd say that the fruit will show, again, this is the perseverance of the saints aspect. You will show fruit in the long run to where maybe we can judge if you're a brother or not. But right now I want to be graceful and say, brother, let's talk. That's all I want. This is the whole talking issue is a problem and again, transcends denomination that people don't want to have friction and they don't want to discuss. They would rather just walk away from each other. And if you want to gain a brother, I would love to gain a brother too and make an even closer, better relationship despite our other major differences. And so this isn't about um, Baptist AG. This isn't about Calvinist, Arminian, modalist, or not modalist, but a Molinist, whatever. It's not about anything like that. It's about what does the Bible say and how should we then evangelize because of what the Bible says. That's right. And you have definitely demonstrated that it doesn't matter what the Bible says. You're going to go after people and tell them lies. And, you know, again, I can trust a bigger, a, a big God that can do wonders, even if people are lied to. It's still you are responsible for your lying. So respond. Yeah. I mean, Please. it's that simple. And we'll demonstrate how when someone asks you a theological question and you put something into the public realm, how you should respond to yeah, it. And the thing is, is you, if that person is being worked on by the Holy Spirit, they'll be able to take the fact. Because remember, things are spiritually discerned. That's they'll right. be able to hear God doesn't need us, but he wants us. And they'll be like, that is beautiful. Because why? Because the Holy Spirit in which you want to talk about so much has much more power than what you give him. There's a miracle every time somebody is brought from spiritual death to spiritual life. And I love that. And I proclaim that truth from scripture all Sorry. the time. So, again, we're ready to respond this and next we can go to the next one. The next one's a doozy. On that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. We yeah. might not be able to get everything, but we're going to do the best we can to... Yeah. Um, to engage it in a way that I hope is encouraging, appropriate, effective. Um, you will have it posted here in a minute. Is that right? Oh, oh, that one I do not. Okay, so... Whoops. Yes, so anyway, um, so we had also the whole pronoun debacle thing that we talked about with uh, J.D. Greer. And yeah. uh, I think, yeah, we posted on the Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network um, Facebook page, and then somebody said that it was their first uh, time listening to the podcast really and heard what we George, had to right? say. Um, I'm going to pull it up here. Sorry about the. Hey, if you're watching the podcast for the first time, want to encourage you to check in with us every other week. We try to do the show every other week on Mondays at six o'clock. This week, we had a opportunity to do a few shows. Um, we had a few topics we wanted to deal with. This is the third topic of today's show. Mm -hmm. And so the post was from the program that we did not last week, but the week before. And I'm just scrolling down to it because I don't have it up there. I know you've got it up there. And so I apologize for the dead time here, but we will 
We will certainly have this pulled up. Uh, if you do, by any chance, get a chance to like the tag, uh, the Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network page, want to encourage you to do that. We are, of course, part of the Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network, uh, which is a network of apologists that are dedicated to defending the faith in the state of Missouri. All right, I have Gabriel Moderman, Moderman's Gabriel host here, and uh, Gabriel, want to apologize that we don't have it up, but want to thank you again. His Comments, I believe, were based upon one of the assertions that I made. And so I want to be really cautious as I engage this because I'm not trying to add anything to Scripture. I'm trying to exegete and draw from Scripture. So I'm going to make some broad statements. Yeah, so and let's I want to encourage you, Gabriel, if I make an error with them, mm-hmm. that you call me out. Please let me be faithful. Let me be a Berean. Let me test things according to Scripture. But making some general statements in our discussion last week, I said essentially that there is an element of the created order, specifically humanity or mankind. Again, um, Scripture does call humanity man. That is an intentional statement made by the authors, by the inspired text of Scripture. When it re- deals with all of humanity, it calls humanity man. And so that's and so universal. That's a, a, yes, a very yes. important thing to designate. And again, I am not just like making that up. One of the theologians that I really respect a great deal, Wayne Grudem, makes that same distinction. But within man, gender does have what I see in our understanding of humanity within man, speaking humanity at large, within mankind, gender has some type of an eternal element. And I would contend that because we see when Abraham and Moses come and they affirm Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration, we see that they are still distinctly themselves. When we see the Scripture, uh, for example, Revelation chapter 7, and it speaks about the new heavens and the new earth, and when it talks about those who are, are numbered, Uh, people from every tribe and every nation, right? We recognize that when it talks about every tribe and every nation, there is some type of what it seems like a cultural distinction that is, again, part of that new humanity. Jesus was still in his new resurrection body, still that male designation. So within the created order, my contention is, from Scripture, we still have our gender attached to us. My wife will still be Valerie Vandiver. She will not be my wife anymore. Jesus teaches me that. But there's an element of our gender that I believe is um, eternal. Right. Mm-hmm. And God would give us our new bodies and our new uh, and our new. Uh, yeah, our new bodies because he created man, male and female. Yeah. And it's, that? It's, yeah. And so one of those things like what we said, it was like sex is the objective issue. 
gender is the subjective issue. So the cool thing is we can answer that because like, you know, the, the opposite. So let's let's get clinical or whatever. Apologetic. Um, you know, we can we can talk about the venues preaching that, you know, back in the day, you know, they actually said uh, pink for boys and blue for women. And look, all gender is all subjective and it's all social contract and all that kind of stuff. And the thing is, is they're recognizing we can recognize that gender is sub- subjective. Yes. Um, you know, that whenever we whenever I when we leaped into this conversation, when we're, we were leaping out of of uh, J.D. saying that, you know, uh, genetics is the best argument we have and it's like it's no it's not no it's not now if you're trying to build the house foundationally the first story of the house is van till would say if you're trying to build a house um with the naturalist with the empiricalist naturalist whatever you're trying to build that foundation with them so then you can build the second story to get hopefully where you want you're not going to end there because you know you've built this foundations with him with his materials and you're going to not have a house built by god um it's not going to be house at all anyway. Um, but the thing is we can, we can say that they recognize the subjective nature of gender. Um, there is that, but it's subjective to what the covenant. So we said that, um, sex is determined by genetics. Either you're what you can say, male, you have the X Y and then you're female, you have the XX. Um, so genetics. Okay. That's, that's the objective thing. You are what you are. Um, but maleness and femaleness, those are philosophical issues. Um, those are things that we get determined from the covenant. What does covenant man look like? What does covenant woman look like underneath the creation covenant? Remember God made Adam first and then he couldn't find a helper. He was, you know, he was learning. God was teaching him already about things, about him, about creation. Um, He let Adam actually recognize, I need some, I'm not complete. There's something here, and God showed him, not just told him, but showed him and demonstrated something, puts him to sleep, takes out the rib, makes female for him, right? And then they are a complete unit together. And so she has a covenant responsibility and Adam has a covenant responsibility under God. So there's the covenant man universal. This is what man universal we need to see that man is supposed to do universally. And then you see the division of labor, I guess you can say in, in economics, um, between man and, and woman. And so you have what is covenant maleness and what is or masculine and what is covenant feminine. And so... Um, that's, you know, kind of, that's that subjective issue that it's covenant. Um, and I, th- I, again, I, I've, I've stressed that, you know, it's still something to definitely work out in articulation, yeah. uh, most definitely, but that's something that we need to recognize. We need to um, have that special revelation and the natural revelation coexisting together or else we don't have an argument. So one of the things that Gabriel does, yeah. and, and, and I appreciate it very much, I think that he summarizes our position somewhat effectively. And Gabriel, again, I'm just kind of speaking to you, and, and I apologize that we don't have the whole post up on, on the page, but we'll try to do better about that. And that's yeah. that's my fault because I was unclear to to Adam. Yeah, well, I, I mean, it's it's, this, it, but it's a little big to put in a picture yeah. <laughs> up here uh, anyway, but so, it's on the in-band. We could, we could probably put it in the comments on the show. Yeah. Um, but the big, th- the big question is that he asks, is gender 
Um, this is what he said. We seem to say gender is an eternal spiritual quality design designated by God that is made physically manifest as sex at the, at conception. And that is not correct. Yeah. That would not be our position. Our yeah. position would be that yes, God has created, um, objective male and female, but then there's also subjective male and female yes. that we recognize as gender. So gender and sex, though they correlate. Yes. They're, they're distinctive. Yes, because there are covenantal roles within yes. creation of male and female, which yeah. we, again, often designate as gender. So, yeah. hope that I make that clear. Uh, there are some other statements that he puts in here uh, that I would disagree with. And, and Gabriel, I, I would love to do a little bit more work on this. Um, you basically seem to advocate that the Holy Spirit is female. I don't think that that is a effective way to articulate that. I would certainly disagree with that conception. I do not believe that that would be a correct category. I would not use that category. Scripture does re- does reference the Godhead as male, and there are times where a female pronoun is attached sometimes to certain uh, attributes of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but again, I would be digging a little deeper than I'm protect- technically prepared to deal with. I would say this, that God being defined as gender is to place a category of humanity on him. Yeah, and I mean, that's would, one thing, though, mm-hmm. that we need to recognize. We have an eternal covenant between father and son. Yes. And so, again, here's that covenantal thing. God is spirit. The Holy Spirit is spirit. Jesus is the only one that has taken on flesh, Right. And so there's something more to um, this, this, uh, what, what does it mean that God is father? It doesn't mean he's got chromosomes. So like I said, that's what literally takes like That's why gender and sex are totally different yeah. things because God doesn't have chromosomes. He is not physical parted stuff like that. Right. So he cannot be father because he has anything. Yes. You know, he can't, have relations the way that say Mormonism would want God to have. Right. So there is no goddess. There isn't like the Holy spirit can't be goddess, um, stuff like that. So, I mean, there, there's so much more, but it's a covenantal designation. Um, so whenever we pray to him as father, he is our father covenantally, right? He is our covenant father. So, you know, so we got to talk about again, covenant, whenever we're talking about God, he is not transsexual. He has transsexual would imply that I was one and now I've transcended that. Um, he is ah, I guess you'd say ah, sexual. Yes. Though he is gendered father. Yeah, Again, and, there's that separation between sex and gender. And I would, and, and I would uh, want to kind of jump down here on another little element because I think it's important and, and I don't want to miss everything. Um, Gabriel, you had some really good stuff, but I think, uh, jumping to the back of your um, comments, because you'd ask, um, you know, let me know where I'm wrong. So you basically say it would make sense that if God has permanent gender, then we would, too. Again, I would designate that. No, we're not. That's not our contention to say that God has gender roles in the way that man does or that God has gender is to import human categories on yeah, there's God. still the creator creature distinction bingo. to be made. And but there are covenantal roles of father's son that we see, but that doesn't mean we have the right to import gender onto God, if that makes sense. So want to touch base with you on that. Whoops. Then you said, yeah, it was empty. So it didn't just ruin your keyboard. <laughs> um, 
You then ask, but what about deformity and disability? How do they come into the picture? And I think that's a great question. Yeah, right? that's, that's so I would state that when we see deformity, when it comes to gender deformity, again, a very small amount of individuals, God did have an intention, but yeah, because, but deformity human, but, implies this implies something. It implies it's, it's not normal. Yes. And so we live in a fallen world. So, you know, what about it? I mean, yeah, you can go to genetics to um, determine, you know, if like, is, is there an XX and XY there whatever? But then again, that only exists because of the fall. And you do ask, are there, are they victims of random misfortune or did God have a specific plan for their dysfunction? I would say that God has a plan for all things that happen. Mm -hmm. God has a purpose. God has decreed. Again, we can see this in Ephesians 1.11, that God has a perfect plan for everything that happens within time. That's Joseph's story. So just because sin exists doesn't mean God can't accomplish what he wants and that he doesn't have a plan for that. So he has made provision for when sin came into the world, he was going to utilize it for his glory at some level. So we see, you know, in Joseph's story. You know, we got to realize that God could have stopped all of that from happening. Joseph being thrown into a pit, he sold to traders, sold into Egypt, um, lied about and put in prison. But that was all done because, you know, just just like Jesus, and all then, these thousands and thousands and myriads and myriads of decisions that were made to lead Christ to the cross and were predestined. And it was God's choice for that. So, again, just because, you know, they have a plan and they're important to his plan. Yeah. And Gabriel does ask, uh, his final question here is really solid and and almost uh, would probably be extremely difficult for some who, I would say, I don't know how you answer it if you do not have the sovereign, the view of God's sovereignty that we have Mm -hmm. consistently affirmed here. The question is this, taking gender and sex out of it, many of the blind, deaf, deformed, amputated, and such struggle with issues of their identity. Yeah, uh, agreed. Um, Actually, as an individual who is handicapped, if you didn't know, by the way, I'm 100% disabled, right? Uh, Many don't know that, but Adam does. He gets Mm -hmm. to see that. Uh, As one who is disabled, I don't find my identity in that. Right. My identity is in Christ, just like I don't find my identity in the fact that I'm Baptist or that I have that I used to have a beard. Right. Uh, (laughs) That's not my identity. My identity is in Christ. And so certainly God has God has put on certain individuals different burdens that we don't understand, but we are called to carry those on for God's glory. Mm -hmm. Then this is where the question gets a little bit tougher to me. There are hierarchical and relational restrictions on those who can serve in the tabernacle. No women, no disfigured, no unclean person, etc. Yeah, there are. He's mm-hmm. right on. If they cannot take the leading position, then what does that say about God's opinion of them? Uh, that I, says that you get taken care of. Another thing yeah, that I <laughs> yeah. would state yeah. as well is this. It's not God's opinion of them. Yeah. It's God's abhorrence of the results of sin. Yeah. He comes to reconcile those things. It's who who did Christ say that we're supposed to take care of? These people. And it these people were taken care of. They didn't have to work the t- tabernacle. They, and it's one of those things that it's a human thing to go, man, if I just had legs, I could serve in the tabernacle. And so that's called idolatry. Yeah. If they find their identity in wanting to be 
the Levitical priest. Now, it's a great and awesome gift to be made a Levitical priest, you know, from God. But at the same time, that if you find your identity as being in a Levitical priest, then you're being an idolater. Yeah. Because that's not serving God. That's serving your ego. And so you can't, you know, the, the people that would be not um, able to serve that, you know, they shouldn't go. If I, if I could only have legs to do that, they would be in the same position as the Levitical priest that would be holding himself in high esteem because he's a priest. You know, it's an egotistical look at me type of thing, not look at God, which is what the priesthood was supposed to be about anyway. Yeah, that's right. Um, was representing God um, to man and then representing man to God um, through the sacrifices. Um, so, but the thing is, is were these people in the law taken care of? And they were. So, um, Gabriel, I, yeah. I hope that we've kind of dealt with what your thoughts were. Uh, I hope that we have, um, again, I, I invited you to be my friend and I will invite you to like the tag your podcast. I'll try to tag you in this. I'll try to send mm-hmm. you a, a copy of the, I'll probably send you the podcast response, but really appreciate you. And, and thank you thank for you. interacting with us. We want to encourage you to like, share, subscribe, yes. like the Facebook page. Uh, give us feedback on the Tagurit podcast on iTunes, on CastBox. Please share the podcast. Please subscribe to the YouTube page. Share through whatever means, man. We yeah. so appreciate. We are getting ready to start our third year of podcasting. Third calendar year. Awesome. 17, 18, 19, 08, no, 20. 20. It'll be our fourth calendar year that we'll Sweet. be moving into. Awesome. The so, time has flown by. God's so good. Maybe I am if I look at, yeah, I mean, I'm looking a little older. That's fine. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, it's I all good for the, the time, to so. the glory of God alone. Um, so with that said, thank you guys so much for uh, being a part of this huge big day as far as the live cast goes. Thank you guys who uh, download the podcast and enjoy it uh, weekly, bi-weekly, whenever it comes out. Thank you guys so much. Again, let's get the conversation started. Let's keep it going to the glory of God. So with that said, this is the Tag Gear Podcast. I'm Ray Ray. I'm Dave. And Soli. Deo. Gloria. Yeah.